0: Good evening. President Biden welcomes Africa to Washington. A crypto scam. What does it mean for the economy? Puerto Rico and U.S. colonialism. A new call to close Rikers Island jail and a fusion breakthrough in dust devils on Mars. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Sunday, December 18th, 2022. President Joe Biden said on Thursday he'll visit sub-Saharan Africa next year, the first U.S. president to travel there in a decade. He announced a trip still unscheduled as he wrapped up a U.S. Africa Leaders Summit by stressing he's serious about increasing U.S. attention to the growing continent.
1: The United States is all in on Africa and all in with Africa. African voices, African leadership, African innovation, all are critical to addressing the most pressing global challenges and to realizing the vision we all share, a world that is free, a world that is open, prosperous and secure. Africa belongs to the table in every room, in every room where global challenges are being discussed and in every institution where discussions are taking place. That's why I announced in September at the United Nations General Assembly that the United States fully supports reforming the U.N. Security Council to include permanent representation for Africa. And today, I'm also calling for the African Union to join the G20 as a permanent member of the G20, whether it's – it's been a long time in coming, but it's going to (laughs) come. And uh, today, I'm also – whether we're upholding or defending the foundation principles of global peace and security, enshrined in the UN Charter and, the UN and in the AU's seminal documents, or meeting the challenges that impact every nation. The people of Africa are indispensable partners delivering, to delivering the progress that benefits everyone, not just in Africa and the United States, but the whole world.
0: The summit was the first held by the United States since 2014 when Barack Obama was president. Biden's Republican predecessor, Donald Trump, didn't make it to Africa during his COVID-19 shadowed presidency. Trump made no foreign visits during his final 11 months. The first president since Ronald Reagan not to visit the continent during his presidency. And former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried is expected to appear in a Bahamas court tomorrow to reverse his decision to contest extradition to the United States. According to reports, Bankman-Fried is expected to agree to extradition to the U.S. He would appear before a U.S. judge for an arraignment and bail hearing. FTX was a crypto exchange for internet-based securities that have grown massively in popularity, even as some are calling for more regulation and even banning the use of financial instruments that rely on technology such as the blockchain, similar to the well-known Bitcoin and others. Last Tuesday, federal prosecutors from the Southern District of New York charged Bankman Fried with eight counts of fraud and conspiracy. Bankman Fried could face up to 115 years in prison if convicted on all eight counts against him, though he likely wouldn't get the maximum sentence. Federal District Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams.
2: First, we charge that from 2019 until earlier this year, Bankman Fried and his co-conspirators stole billions of dollars from FTX customers. He used that money for his personal benefit, including to make personal investments and to cover expenses and debts of his hedge fund, Alameda Research. Secondly, and relatedly, we charge that Bankman-Fried lied to Alameda's lenders about the source of the money that he was using to pay those debts. Third, we charge that earlier this year, in the midst of the crypto crisis, Bankman-Fried lied to investors in FTX about the fact that he had sent billions of dollars in FTX customer money to Alameda. And fourth, we charge that Bankman-Fried violated federal campaign finance laws by causing tens of millions of dollars in illegal campaign contributions to be made to candidates and committees associated with both Democrats and Republicans. These contributions were disguised to look like they were coming from wealthy co-conspirators, when in fact, the contributions were funded by Alameda Research with stolen customer money. And all of this dirty money was used in service of Bankman-Fried's desire to buy bipartisan influence and impact the direction of public policy in Washington.
0: Damian Williams is federal district attorney for the Southern District of New York. Prosecutors allege Bankman-Fried conspired with others on numerous schemes, including misusing customer deposits held in FTX that were used to cover the expenses of Alameda, Bankman-Fried's hedge fund, The 14-page indictment also alleges that Bankman-Fried conspired with others to violate federal election laws by making political donations to candidates and fundraising committees between 2020 and November 2022 in excess of federal legal limits and in the names of other people. And in related news, at a meeting on Tuesday, the House Financial Services Committee new FTX CEO John Ray was questioned about events leading to the company's collapse. On Monday, Sam Backman-Fried was arrested in the Bahamas. At the House Committee meeting, John Ray was the sole witness.
3: The FTX group's collapse appears to stem from absolute concentration of control in the hands of a small group of grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals who failed to implement virtually any of the systems or controls that are necessary for a company entrusted with other people's money or assets. While many things are unknown at this stage, we're at a very preliminary stage, many questions remain, we know the following. First, customer assets at FTX.com were commingled with assets from the Alameda trading platform. That much is clear. Second, Alameda used client funds to engage in margin trading which exposed customer funds to massive losses. Third, the FTX group went on a spending binge in 2021-2022, during which $5 billion was spent on a myriad of businesses and investments, many of which may only be worth a fraction of what was paid for them. Fourth, loans and other payments were made to insiders in excess of $1.5 billion. Fifth, Alameda's business model as a market maker required funds to be deployed to various third-party exchanges, which were inherently unsafe, and further exacerbated by the limited protections offered in certain of those foreign jurisdictions. I know that resolution of the Chapter 11 process, as well as the investigation, and the causes of the FTX Group's collapse are of keen interest to this committee and to your constituents. Although, you know, there are many who need and deserve answers, there's customers, there's creditors, there's investors, counterparties, employees, and regulators. We're positioning ourselves to provide each of these constituents with the answers that they deserve. The
0: Justice Department accused the 30-year-old Sam Bankman fried of violating campaign finance laws, money laundering, fraud, and conspiracy. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission has also filed accusations of fraud against him, and the Securities and Exchange Commission alleged he defrauded his investors. In more financial news, last week, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell announced another hike in interest rates. In response, U.S. stocks fell as investors digested the news from Powell that the Fed will be relentless in forcing down inflation. Currently, prices are rising in the U.S. and around the world at
3: rates not seen in 40 years. Price stability is the responsibility of the Federal Reserve and serves as the bedrock of our economy. Without price stability, the economy doesn't work for anyone. In particular, without price stability, we will not achieve a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. Today, the FOMC raised our policy interest rate by a half percentage point. We continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2 percent over time. In addition, we're continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. Restoring price stability will likely require maintaining a restrictive policy stance for some time. Federal Reserve
0: Chair Jerome Powell. If Powell's projections are met, economists say next year interest rates will have to rise by 75 points to reach a projected level of 5.1%. Since the crash of 2008, the U.S. has until recently had effectively a zero interest rate. Economist Jack Rasmus says rising interest rates will continue. He projects a major global slowdown and a hike in oil prices as China comes out of COVID restrictions. But he says the real effect is on labor, as illustrated by the controversy over a possible freight rail strike in the United States.
4: You won't see how big it is until interest rates go even higher and this contagion effect that's now spreading in crypto becomes clearer. Clearly, crypto is is a big, uh, you know, Wild West financial speculation. But see, the problem is who's been loaning to crypto companies? I suspect there's a a lot of unknown uh, lending going on by the shadow banks, equity firm, hedge funds and so forth to the crypto. And if the crypto companies go under, then it drags the other companies under. You say, we don't know how that's going to unfold yet.
0: Well, the president was happy in general about the economy today because uh, inflation was down. Does that mean anything? <laughs>
4: well, yeah, you've got the global economy slowing down. So the price of uh, energy and oil is coming down slightly. Right. But you still got rents and foods at record highs. We may see a reversal of this energy cost here as uh, China opens and the demand for oil and energy again rises, and as OPEC cuts the supply, which it's doing, Bank of America is predicting the uh, cost per barrel of oil, which is around $70 now, will go back up to 100 Food prices and the rent prices are a different story. They're driven by different causes and effects. You're going to see the Fed rate hikes dampen demand-side inflation, which is only about half of inflation, much of it is supply-side and energy and global supply chains and price gouging and all that. The Fed can't do anything about that. So the Fed is slowly, by raising rates pretty rapidly and high, shaking out demand-side inflation very slowly. But supply-side inflation is uh, dampening a little because of the global uh, you know, economy that even the IMF and World Bank are predicting now slowing down recession, but that probably will be quickly uh, reversed by China opening its COVID policy now and OPEC cutting supply. Inflation could go back up here in a couple months on the supply side and on the demand side depends on how much the Fed keeps raising rates. We are at a kind of a juncture where it's not clear exactly where prices are going to go.
0: We had talk about a freight railway strike because of the, uh, the United States' lack of uh, any meaningful uh, sick leave policy. Is that a major part of the economy? Is Was the threat of a strike really that frightening that the president had to uh, make enemies out of labor, which he's a labor president, of course?
4: i wouldn't agree with that last statement he's a labor mm. president of course you know you can talk to talk but when you walk to walk here and you impose no strike legislation on uh, railroad workers then you it's hard to be called a, a a labor president i don't care what they say it could have uh, really affected the economy if they had walked out the problem in the railroad sector is the workers are way behind on wage increases This is not a great wage settlement, 24 percent over five years. It doesn't make up for the inflation over the last five years and going forward very clearly. And the sick leave thing is an issue, but it's an issue because the railroad companies won't allow the workers to take time off, even using their vacation pay or personal leave pay that they have now to take it off when they get sick. Well, why won't the railroad companies allow them to take it off? Because there's 30% fewer railroad workers now, and uh, they can't afford, they, the railroad companies, to let people take time off that they need in a very humane way because it will upset the huge profits that they're making now. You know, it goes back to the railroad companies and their huge profits and scheduling and managing a much smaller workforce. When the government intervenes in this situation, the Railway Labor Act, as they did in August, That pretty much shuts down any pre-negotiation going on between labor and management. Management just sits back and says, uh, well, hell, you know, why should we agree to anything? We'll just wait for the government to intervene again, which, of course, they did. The railroad companies who are making huge profits, record profits, because they're running with 30% less wage costs than they used to. It's a disgusting situation, and until the railroad workers really... uh, Break and all unions break with the Democrat Party and start acting independently? This kind of crap is going to continue going on and workers are going to continue to retreat in terms of wages and working conditions and whatever.
0: Economist Jack Rasmus, he's a professor at St. Mary's College in California and author of numerous books, including Central Bankers at the End of Their Rope. You're listening to the news from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. The House voted on Thursday to allow Puerto Ricans to decide the political future of the territory. The first time the Chamber is committed to backing a binding process that could pave the way for Puerto Rico to become the nation's 51st state or an independent country. New York Representative Nidia Velasquez spoke in support of the legislation on the House floor.
5: If Hamilton and Madison were alive today, they would be shocked to see how the anti-colonial constitution they drafted in 1787 is currently used to legitimize colonialism in Puerto Rico over 300 years later. Advocating now for the continuation of the status quo on the island is the height of hypocrisy. Colonialism has destroyed the Puerto Rican economy. Colonialism has destroyed the Puerto Rican, has divided the Puerto Rican people. Colonialism has eaten away our people's sense of dignity and self-worth. Colonialism has made the people of Puerto Rico both psychologically and economically dependent on the United States. Colonialism is not only humiliating for Puerto Rico, but it is an embarrassment to the United States. The United States that holds itself out as a leader of the free world.
0: Representative Nidia Velasquez of New York. While the measure has the support of the White House, it has little chance of becoming law in the short term. It's certain to fall short of the 60 votes needed to break a filibuster in the Senate. But the bipartisan vote, the bill passed 233 to 191, was a symbolic statement by the House that Puerto Rico's status as a colonial territory was both untenable and unwanted by many of its voters. 16 Republicans joined 217 Democrats in approving the measure. Puerto Rico has been an American territory since 1898, following the Spanish-American War. Puerto Rico's 3.3 million residents are U.S. citizens, but aren't represented by a voting member in Congress. Puerto Ricans cannot vote in presidential elections. After a hurricane devastated the island while Donald Trump was president, he infamously visited the island, tossing rolls of paper towels to a crowd of local residents. And in local news, last week, another Rikers Island detainee was found dead inside the prison facility, bringing the death toll in the feared jail to 19 this year. 31-year-old Edgardo Mejias was found unresponsive on December 12th and was pronounced dead. The death could have been from an overdose but is still under investigation. A coalition of groups including Hashtag Halt Solitary, Communities United for Police Reform, and Rise and Resist have called for drastic changes at the prison. They held a vigil at Times Square subway station where a member of the group, Alice, spoke with the news.
6: Today we're here on the issue of Rikers Island. We're in 19... 19- People have died this year, and I believe it's 38 in the past two years, and it's outrageous. And people have visited the prison. People have our city council people, our state assembly people, senators have gone up there, and they've seen what's going on. They've seen how bad it is. We've had testimony. We were up on City Hall steps with it yesterday, the day before. I forgot several times, um, and people gave testimony as to how horrible the conditions are. The, the food is terrible. It's dangerous. People are hurting each other. People are killing each other. People are overdosing. And it's totally out of control and that we're doing nothing
0: about it. It's, has it always been that way or is it getting worse?
6: Uh, good question. It's been really bad for a long time. It seems to be have gotten worse since COVID. I think probably that set things off and a lot of people have died of COVID in the jails and prisons and we've been totally unprepared to help people they've had unsanitary conditions and no masks and no hand washing they couldn't even have soap but and they and people are exhausted and under undernourished so we have a horrible crisis it's disgusting didn't
0: the judge just recently turn down a, a request to put this put control of rikers under a federal watchdog
6: yeah i haven't filed followed, followed all that's gone on with the judges as well as i should but the judge the um mayor has a lot of pull, you know, with certain judges, and everything's political in this city and in this country, so probably they were pushed to overturn the decision, and it's sad, you know, it's really a shame. What about the mayor? I mean, the mayor,
0: is the mayor delivering what he promised, or? Uh,
6: I think he's got a lot of problems. I don't, I mean, I don't hate the mayor. I'm not one of those people who hate the mayor. I, I think he has a good heart from way back when. I remember him from the 100 blacks in law enforcement. And he's also supportive of a homeless outreach program that we're involved in. But my God, you know, rounding up the homeless, not, you know, paying attention to what's going on in the jails. And, you know, we're a corrupt system. They need money to run. So he has a lot of real estate money and he probably has to pay back a lot of people and is influencing him. And then we have a federal government that's in horrible wars and we're getting very little money and very little support in the city. So I'm worried, you know, it's scary. What, should they,
0: what do you think should happen with Rikers now?
6: Um, well, it should be flooded with help from everybody. Nutritionists, you know, people to prepare food, people to protect each other, people to be buddies and support to people. And so The
0: people there are not convicted of any crime.
6: They're, you know, they're not convicted yet. They're awaiting trial. And, of course, the trials take forever in this city, so you can sit there forever. And many have such, you know, it's heartbreaking, like the man who died recently. I think he shoplifted some piece of jewelry or something. He probably wanted to sell it and feed his family. And people, you know, people are dying. People are poor. People are desperate right now, and they really need to.
0: Anything like that?
6: I don't know. We need a whole new system. We need to turn things around a lot. We need to stop the militarization and bring the money back. We have a Move the Money campaign, and we're trying to... Put a bill out in the city council to say bring the money back to our communities because we're really really needy right now and I think there are people who would like to have jobs being kind and helping one another and they're just not there you got to create it
0: alice is an activist with the group rise and resist they are demanding immediate action from the city And in science news, last week the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory announced a breakthrough in harnessing the power that fuels the sun and stars, a process known as nuclear fusion. The announcement was made by Department of Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm.
6: Today we're here to talk about fusion, combining two particles into one. Last week at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, Scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition, and that is creating more energy from fusion reactions than the energy used to start the process. It's the first time it has ever been done in a laboratory, anywhere in the world. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century
5: or as the president might say uh-huh. right
6: i do think he probably did say this is a bfd <laughs>
0: The lab's National Ignition Facility achieved ignition, an experiment that for the first time produced more energy than used to squeeze the atoms together into a new atom. Nuclear scientist Marvin Adams describes what happened.
7: There's a tiny cylinder here at the end of this that you probably can't see. It's about so tall and this wide. Inside that was a a small spherical capsule about half the diameter of a BB. 192 laser beams entered from the two ends of the cylinder and struck the inner wall. They didn't strike the capsule, they struck the inner wall of this cylinder and deposited energy. And that happened in less time than it takes light to move 10 feet. So it's kind of fast. X-rays from the wall impinged on the spherical capsule. Fusion fuel in the capsule got squeezed. Fusion reactions started. This had all happened before, a hundred times before. But last week, for the first time, they designed this experiment so that the fusion fuel stayed hot enough, dense enough, and round enough for long enough that it ignited, and it produced more energies than the lasers had deposited. About two megajoules in, about three megajoules out, a gain of 1.5. The energy production took less time than it takes light to travel one inch. Kind of fast. So this is pretty cool. Um, I have a special message.
0: Nuclear scientist Marvin Adams, hydrogen is commonly available in water, potentially a source of limitless energy. Proponents say it produced less radioactive waste than the nuclear fission process in reactors and bombs, where a heavy atom is split into lighter atoms, releasing massive amounts of energy. And finally, in news from the planet Mars, the alien soundscape of the Martian surface was on display last week as NASA unveiled an audio recording of a dust devil passing over the Perseverance rover, now exploring the Red Planet in a search for past life. Although dust devils have been captured by cameras on previous Mars rovers, the current rover is the first with a microphone to pick up the actual sound. Dust devils are considered helpful as they blow accumulated dust off the rover's solar panels, increasing their electrical generating power. And that's the news for Sunday, December 18, 2022. The news was written and produced by this reporter. You can hear the news at pauldurienzo.com from New York City. I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening.